God bless the city of Rock Hill. Rock Hill is such a special place. They're going to know Rock Hill for more than Football City USA. Pathways, Indoor Center, Knowledge Park. It's just a wonderful time to be in Rock Hill right now. The city of Rock Hill is one of the only destinations that fully gets it. It builds world-class venues that are better than anywhere in the United States. Hello and welcome to CityCast, where we aim to keep you updated on all things City of Rock Hill. I'm Ashley Studebaker, alongside my co-host here, Matthew Cray, and today we have with us Rock Hill York County Airport Director, Stephen Gold. Welcome. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? I can't complain. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. So to get started, we're going to dive into um, the the airport and all those fun details in a little bit, but we do like to get to know our guests a little bit more um, on the fun side of things. So we're okay. going to ask you one question, and we're kind of going to dive into that. And Matthew, you look like you have... We, we like to pick the hot topics. We yes. really like to get the gears turning about the simple things in life okay. and really overanalyze them. All right. So when do you feel is the appropriate time to play Christmas music? Ooh. Tough, see? For me, it is after Halloween. Definitely Af oh. after Halloween. Um, it can start before... Uh, you know, Thanksgiving, I'm okay with it. My wife is absolutely okay with it uh, to the point where uh, once Christmas music starts playing on the radios, I start, you know, I kind of scan through the stations a little bit more often than she does. She has her, you know, select two that she usually goes back and forth to. Um, but I know that she thoroughly enjoys it. So I actually go a little bit above and beyond for her and we'll start scanning the stations that I know typically play it. And I know there's at least three, if not four, uh, that will play throughout the year in this area. And so I typically know which ones will start off first. Like um, I think 104.7, I think it is, doesn't start until after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, okay. but there's a couple others in the 90s, like 98.7, I think, and then another one, maybe 99 point something that usually start within about a week or two after uh, ho after Halloween. Wow. Um, so she, she like, <clears throat> once, uh, once that season starts, you know, that's the only type of music that we typically play in the house as well. Uh, we get really involved with the, with the music side of things. Yeah. I kind of slack off on the decoration side, uh, but, <laughs> now, that to her. but now that my son just turned three, two weeks ago, uh, oh. he's at the age now where he you know fully you know understands and you know absorbs all that stuff so I'm gonna have to kind of you know get off my my rear end and actually start uh getting a little crazy because when I start doing stuff I, I go all out so yes. and I think it's probably another reason why I've been slacking off because I know if <laughs> I don't start it then I don't have to worry about it but once I start it that's all I'd ever do. <laughs> no, I feel like after Halloween's a new, unique answer because the popular one is before after Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Why Halloween as opposed to Thanksgiving? Um, well, because, uh, I mean, a lot of people, you know, well, not necessarily a lot of people, but the, the trend is now, especially on the commer on the you know the retail side, is basically after Halloween. That's mm. when all the Christmas stuff goes mm -hmm. up. Everybody kind right. of puts Thanksgiving in, in the, you know in the in the back back seat now. Um, but it's a uh, I don't know. It's just uh, there, there isn't any Thanksgiving music 
You know, well, true. Yeah. There, 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 there's no real holiday music to really Plus, go towards. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is like the middle child of the holidays, <laughs> forgotten about, not cared for in any way. Yes, but, but happy but, 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 wife, happy life. Exactly, exactly. But now when it comes to, you know, right now, you know, everything's gearing up for Halloween. So I tend to actually start watching a few a few more horror movies and then I'll actually uh, change my ringtone usually over either oh. to the Halloween uh, okay. uh, soundtrack or. You do go all out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I make sure I take care of my, my holidays and, uh, you know, it's just, I don't forget about Thanksgiving. It's right. just, like I said, there's no music for Thanksgiving. You know? Now, have you Maybe guys Yankee ever... Doodle Dandy or something. I don't know. <laughs> have you ever eaten so much of something that you're like, man, I just, I can't have that for a while. I can't eat that for a while. Have you ever had that experience? Ooh. Um, not, you... well, not if I eat too much at once, okay. but if I eat too much too often. Yeah. Uh, so like say, uh, for example, you know, if you have pizza, you know, multiple times a week, you know, mm-hmm. which I'm not saying I do, but if you, if you <laughs> were, you're you know, at, 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 at some point, you know, it's going to be like, you know, I, I got to take a, you know, I got to pump the brakes here a little bit and, right. t- and take a breath. <laughs> I feel like that's how people treat Christmas music okay. because I, I am of the belief that if I spread Christmas music out over the entire year and don't just binge it for a month and a half, I can be in the Christmas spirit when the time comes around. I am not tired or too excited for it. I feel like a lot of times the people who try to keep Christmas music in its box between Thanksgiving and New Year's can deprive themselves of getting into the Christmas spirit because they're like, no, 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 I can't have it until then. But right. sometimes the switch doesn't flip. You can't just jump right in. It takes you got to let it happen. I to let it happen. I can flip the switch, uh, but I tell you the the one group that I I, I, I can listen to year round and I will never ever get tired of it is the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Oh, 100%. so good. I mean, I went and saw them uh, when they came to Columbia a few years back and I'll tell you, that was one of the best performances I've ever seen live. It was awesome. It was so amazing. I am an avid, I know, Justin Bieber mistletoe listener, but I do have a follow-up <laughs> question. Is there a strict cutoff date for you? Most people, it's like the day after Christmas, even some radio stations, strict um, cutoff. When the radio stations stop playing. Oh, that's it. Okay. Favorite song? But now I'll tell you what, uh, if they were to continue on, you at some point it. I'd probably have to cut it off and there's no like <laughs> cut off date for me, but it it would just, you know, it would be a feeling that I would have and yes. I would just have to say, yep, yeah, next. Favorite, favorite <laughs> song? Uh, I guess, uh, was it uh, Wizards of Mayhem or, or, or what, what's, what's the one from TSO? Uh, Carol uh, of the Bells? No, Carol of Bells is good, but that's not my favorite one from okay. them. It's, uh, it's another one. It's, 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 I'm drawing a blank on it right now, but um, it's one of the TSO songs for sure. Okay. I also recommend Pentatonics. Very, Pentatonics yeah, very is good. good. Well, yeah. well, Michael Bublé. One of, ah. <laughs> believe it or not, one of our uh, <laughs> our stations on Pandora and even uh, Spotify is uh, um, uh, not Pentatonics. It's um, uh, oh god, what what is that movie? Uh, bit with uh, Anna Kendrick. Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. We oh. actually have a Pitch Perfect station and so the Pentatonics <laughs> come on. And believe it or not, wow. we're, we're actually, um, uh, we were supposed to see Pentatonics last year, but ended up canceling mm. because of the because of COVID. Because right. uh, my father-in-law, he's huge into acapella. Uh-huh. Um, so we've seen uh, Home Free and we're actually going to go see Home Free for mm. his uh, 70th birthday wow. in December. Um, we're surprising him with his his uh, his other daughter, his oldest, and her, and her husband are going to fly down for it as well. And gonna be, we're going to be going here in Charlotte to go see them there. Okay. And then I think it was uh, two years ago, I want to say, um, they had a multitude of acapella groups that came into town. I can't remember all of them, but 
you know, it had a um, a lot of them that were on that uh, sing off. Was it was it sing off? The sing off uh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, show. Um, so that's you know, it, it's one of those things where we always listen to them all the time. It's it's, yeah. it's fun. It's, Not, it's good. It's it's good upbeat music. You know, it gets you kind of you know get, gets the happy juices flowing. Right. Now, we <laughs> right. should probably transition out of Christmas before the <laughs> Christmas music after Thanksgiving people start throwing uh, some yeah. tomatoes at us. Um, you actually are director, as we said, of an airport and. Yep. Rock Hill, the Rock Hill York County Airport. What? Rock Hill has an airport? Uh, right. There's okay. a lot of people that don't know that. Uh, tell us about any interactions you've had like that and then how the airport functions. Well, uh, I'll tell you when I first got here back in 2013, that absolutely was the case. There weren't a lot of people. I mean, any, even actual city employees may not have actually known that there was an airport. But that's been one of my pushes to to really drive to put the airport in the forefront of people's minds getting engaged with the with the community with various events um you know different meetings you know one of the things is all the hoas um in, in the surrounding area we make sure that they come out and use our facilities uh to be able to get a first-hand glance of what's going on because they're going to be the ones that are going to be the most interested because you know there, there's pros and cons uh, when it comes to airports at the community. Um, you know, the, the the biggest con is noise pollution. You mm-hmm. know, and they don't really like having the the big jets and the aircraft flying over, making a lot of noise. So we try to address that as best as possible. Um, but in terms of the function overall with the uh, the airport, you know, we're a we're a general aviation uh, reliever airport, and what that means is we handle all of non-commercial airlines. Um, don't have any scheduled airline service out there. Uh, the only commercial service you would have is like charter services and things like that. It's mainly you know your hobbyists, small aircraft owners, and then your business and corporations that uh, have aircraft that they use. Um, and in the reliever term is we're one of two now designated relievers for Charlotte Douglas in that our focus is on that general aviation so that they can maintain their focus on the airline side of things so that there's less delays and congestion for the you know, regular, you know, every Joe person type mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to get a commercial flight. Um, so that's kind of our role in terms of the uh, the industry itself. So you're here with us. Who's running the airport now and how many employees do you have? Well, it'll, it's open 24-7. <laughs> uh, you know, people uh, will fly in and out sometimes at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wow. uh, sometimes those kind of folks are, they may, you know, just be coming from, I don't know, somewhere in another in another part of the country, you know, just coming home and that's just, you know, the late or the earliest that they can get out and they want to get home as soon as possible. Some people actually have, you know, business purposes, whether it's, you know, dropping off a, you know, like a cargo package or something like that. Um, but there's, there's variations. It's not very much at all. Uh, maybe once uh, every other week kind of thing. Um, but uh, um, the activity that you see out there, uh, you know, it's it it just uh, well. Back to your question, I'm sorry. Uh, what's who's running it? Well, I don't have to be with my feet on the ground at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do need to be there, you know, pretty much every day to ensure everything is good to go. But there's different personnel that are out there. Um, nobody else except for uh, one of our maintenance staff, uh, which we've had for just a year now. Uh, before last year, I was the only city of uh, appointed person out there. Everything else is on the private sector. So the, most of the customers that come in and out of the airport, they meet firsthand with uh, our FBO, our fixed base operator, and that's SkyTech. So they have around 45 to 50 employees at various different divisions or departments. So 
the aircraft that are coming in, the visitors or even the base tenants, you know, they're there for get to get fuel, maybe get uh, hangered, get marshaled in and out, things like that. You know, they have customer service staff. They have what they call line service technicians that do the fueling, the marshaling. But then they also have a maintenance department where they work on different aircraft, whether it's, uh, you know, the Pilatus aircraft, which they're a dealer. So it's like they're a car, sh- car dealership for a specific type of aircraft or a manufacturer anyways. And that's the Pilatus aircraft, which is made in Switzerland or Piper, uh, which is based down in Florida. Um, so they do that, and then they also have the aircraft sales side of things. And then as of, I believe it was 2017 or 18, they started operating charter services out of there as well. Um, so SkyTech does all of that? Yeah, yeah, they, okay. they handle all that. And that, that's, the, that's the, mass, the, the, the vast majority of the, I guess, uh, employee interaction type of stuff with all of our, uh, our visitors and our, our base tenants that are there. But then you have other services. Um, you know, we have the helicopter air medevac uh, operation out of there, uh, which is now Atrium, but it's MedCenter Air is the contractor that flies the helicopter to go do airlifts, patient transports, things like that. And we're one of three lo- locations. The other two are in, one's in Concord, the other one's in Hickory. So they have, uh, they kind of like triangulate to get full coverage of the entire Charlotte Metroplex area. Uh, so that's a that's a wonderful service for us to be able to have here um, in our hometown here. Um, so that's the kind of stuff you'll see. We also have a flight school, Fly Carolina. Uh, they average around two to 300 flight hours uh, per month. Um, and, you know, with a lot of slowdown on things, uh, that never really ticked down a little bit. I mean, there was a, a little bit of a slowdown because of the protocols for social distancing and having to have masks and vaccinations and all that stuff. But since some of those rules and regulations have kind of loosened up a little bit, they've been able to get back to, you know, having somebody in the seats next to each other to be able to start doing the flight training again. So that's been good. So you mentioned the term hangar. And for just the average person listening, can you explain exactly what that is in simple terms and what, what they're used for? Well, think about it. You have a, you have a car at home. Do you want to leave it out in the elements? Probably not. You want to keep it in a garage. A hangar is basically a garage for an aircraft. Um, so that's uh, you know one of the things that most. If I, let's put it this way: if I were to own an aircraft of my own, I want it in a hangar. I don't want it sitting out on the ramp. Uh, you know, we also have what we call shade ports, which is basically an aircraft version of a, a carport. Okay. So it's just covered. There's just no walls on the sides. Plane's a little more expensive than a car. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Makes sense. They are. But believe it or not, there's some. There's plenty of cars. Uh, I could go out in the parking lot out here and count multiple cars that are worth more than some of the aircraft that are really? out there at the airport. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. That's crazy. Like, like, a, like one, a common type of aircraft that a lot of people may be familiar with is like a Cessna like 172. Um, okay. That's one of those, you know, above wing aircraft. It's like two to three or two to four passengers or two to four people in the aircraft. Um, you can get a, a, a good used one for like 30 grand, 40 wow. grand. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. There you go, Matthew. But, 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 then, but then you're going to have the same same size aircraft, just a different make and model, maybe a different year that may cost 250000 You know, right, so you're going to yeah. have a variation of that kind of stuff. So what kind of aircrafts does the Rock Hill York County Airport accommodate? Uh, we accommodate all all different types of aircraft. Uh, the one thing that we're lacking uh, we're, we're lacking on is our large hangars mm-hmm. for our larger you know jet aircraft. Um, we only have like our largest aircraft right now is owned by SkyTech and it's a 12,000 square foot hangar, and they have a part time jet tenant that hangers their aircraft in there, and it's uh, what they call a Falcon 900. It's a pretty good size aircraft. Uh, the value of that. Uh, that specific one there is probably around 20 million, uh, something like that. Uh, but you know, we have 
people that are flying in and out that would love to base their aircraft here, but we don't have the hangar space for them. Mm-hmm. And we're talking aircraft that are valued around $50 million. And when you have those aircraft based here, that's a sizable amount of tax dollars that are going to the communities. So that, that's one of the things we're, we're, we're lacking on. But we do have a lot of uh, T hangers uh, and small box hangers, if you will, um, to the point where we are at, we actually have the second most based aircraft at our airport in the entire state of South Carolina and the second most within a 50 mile radius of Charlotte Douglas. Oh, um, wow. We're second behind Concord Regional Airport mm-hmm. up in uh, Concord. Uh, and then uh, in the state, we're second behind Greenville Downtown Airport, which is, hmm. te- is, is actually the busiest general aviation airport in the state. Wow. So you've got Charlotte Douglas up in Charlotte, commercial airport. They take all the commercial stuff that's in one bucket. Mm -hmm. And other stuff, non-commercial, comes to your bucket. So in that sense, you're kind of separate. But I'm sure that, you know, you kind of impact the other. How does that relationship work? Well, uh, like I said, because we're a reliever, designated reliever, most of those aircraft that are non-commercial based, you know, non-airlines, they're looking for somewhere else to try to operate into and out of. Um, And so they look at... You know, they're going to look at our airport first <clears throat> or maybe another one uh, within the region, like a, a Monroe or Concord, even though Concord is technically a commercial service airport now since they start, they, they added the Allegiant Air uh, service up there. Um, but then you'll have, you know, like Stanley County, uh, Statesville, a um, uh, bunch of different other ones that are within in the in the area. It's just none of them are designated relievers. And the way to be have that designation is you have to have over 100 based aircraft at your airport or a certain amount of operations uh, annually, which we meet both of those. Um, so that's kind of the relationship with that. Um, now, the reason why those uh, general aviation aircraft, you know, your business users, like you're not going to see any of our small guys going up there unless it's for flight training purposes because you are required to do at least one touch and go at one of those airports and they hate it. <laughs> <laughs> they absolutely hate it because it interrupts their operation because they have to, they have, you know, the aircraft separation. You know, a Cessna 172 trying to do a touch and go at a, you know, Class B airspace uh, airport like Charlotte Douglas, you know, they're, you know, flying in at like 60 knots to remind, land. Remind us what a touch and go is. A touch and go is, is basically the aircraft comes in, lands, that's a touch, and then it takes off, that's a go. Okay. So that's ah. a touch and go. Okay. So it's without stopping. You're continuously moving. So you touch down and take back off. Okay. Um, so the, the speed difference, you know, between, you know, a, a 737 and a 172 is like 150 knots at least. Uh, so having to basically slow down and space out the big boys behind them, that's why the airports hate when they have to do that. But, th- but it's part of the curriculum at, cer- at certain uh, uh, flight schools if they're an actual certificate, certified flight, uh, part 141 uh, flight school. Do you find that your airport benefits a certain type of person? Or is it just all over the place? It's really all over the place. Uh, I mean, we have you know, a couple of, fo- a lot of our tenants uh, are actual uh, airline pilots. Uh, a vast majority of them, you know, work for American Airlines. They actually fly for them. Um, but you'll you'll have you know just your your regular guy who you know just wanted to get an aircraft and you know learn how to fly and started flying he's got his own his own deal he may not have a lot of money but it's a hobby that he enjoys and loves so he does it um but then you'll have uh, some folks that you know are 
dare I say, millionaires that international businessmen. And and, 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 and and the reason why I hesitate on that is because there's a horrible conception of that. It's just the rich boys and their rich toys, right. you know. And ah. that's really not the case at the at, at airports. Because uh, as I said, you know, there's not there's a lot of them that aren't that expensive. Um, the fuel cost is is a lot more than a vehicle. But in terms of the usage of it, I mean, it's an important aspect to the transportation system. Uh, having airports and being able to utilize them, whether it's for your own personal use or your business use. So in terms of Charlotte um, Douglas Airport and this airport here, um, what I've, I've always been curious as far as the schedule goes. So like, you know, do you work with them on their schedule? Because obviously two aircrafts can't be, you know. No, uh, I mean, they have their own controlled airspace. And okay. the way to look at their airspace is think of a, a wedding cake and turn it upside down. So the top of wedding cake, which is now at the bottom, <clears throat> from the ground up to there, which is about 1,800 feet, they have full control over that. No aircraft can operate in and out of that little pot, that little piece of the cake, without being in direct contact with Charlotte. Otherwise, you could you, you risk losing your license. Ah. And then after you get out of, out of that, the next layer goes up a little higher, which is where we're at. And um, is that right? No, I'm sorry. Goes up to 1,800 feet, and then the 1,800 foot one goes out, and then it goes up. So we're right underneath the third layer, if you will, uh, which is 3,600 feet, 3,600 okay. feet. Um, and so that's where all of our aircraft oper operate <clears throat> is directly under that. Unless they wanted to go higher, then they had to be in direct contact with um, uh, Charlotte Douglas, which is why you see a lot of the aircraft flying, you know, pretty, you know kind of lower over our our, our uh, city here and it's because they're usually in that 38 to 4200 foot range flying directly over top of us and that's one of the ways you make sure that they're not just crashing into each other correct correct yeah because our airport is an uncontrolled airport um, we don't have an air traffic control tower so the way the aircraft operate is they talk to each other and even okay. us on the ground so when I'm out there doing my inspections or if I have to you know cross uh, from one side of the airport to the other crossing the runway you know I'm looking around always keep your head on a swivel and but I'm on indirect radio contact making radio calls to let them know let any of the aircraft that are either on the ground or in the air know where I'm at so I'll tell them who I am where I'm at what my intentions are um, now if there's an aircraft that says you know they're turning base or turning final uh, you know about the land at the airport then you know out there's markings and signage uh, basically like stop signs essentially that you, do, you know you need to hold short on until those aircraft come by and then you can go and continue about your business but then I'll make my radio call again saying this is what I'm doing and then when I'm done doing it I let them know I'm clear of all that type of active area and so they can continue on so I'm in my plane. I'm just flying around for fun. Max over here is in a plane. He's got to be somewhere. He's going somewhere. How do I communicate with Max? Is there a signal that everyone connects to, or I, I don't know he's out there. There's a well. Hopefully he's actually making uh, radio communications and telling you where he's at. He's uh, talking to me. <clears throat> Right. Well, 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 he's talking to everybody on <laughs> okay. on a common frequency. Okay. Yeah. Okay. A, it's, yeah. it's called Unicom, and it's a mm -hmm. it's a common frequency that is dedicated to the airport. Now, Lincolnton uh, Airport has the same frequency, so sometimes there's a little bit of a bleed over, believe mm -hmm. it or not. So sometimes you may hear somebody saying, "I'm uh, turning base for runway, I think like two seven or something like that." We don't have a runway two seven. Okay. So if you hear that, you know it's somebody in a different airport. <laughs> oh, okay. But okay. it doesn't happen very often, but it can happen because uh, there's only so many frequencies to be able to go out to everybody, and it has to work within uh, the system that the FAA has in place. Um, 
So, but yeah, you'd be talking to each other, letting you know, like the first call typically is, you know, 10 miles out, five miles out. And then when you get into the traffic pattern where you're going, cause there's an actual traffic pattern. It's like, you know, following the signs on the road, following the lanes, mm. uh, you stay in your lane and then you just tell people where you are. Uh, and then sometimes there's two people that are getting there at the exact same time. And hopefully they each have the common courtesy to say, Hey, why don't you go first in in so many words, but, uh, you know, sometimes there's some people that, you know, it's very rare that it happens, but uh, at times somebody may say, no, I'm not going to wait for this guy. I'm going to go first, you know, that kind of thing. And you might get some people upset, but that's why you, you want to be more, you you definitely need to be (laughs) like, like I'm not a defensive driver by any means. And my wife will tell you that. Uh, but I feel like my aggressiveness makes me defensive in the sense that I keep my head on a, on a swivel at all times. And I know where I'm at what I'm doing and I make sure that I'm very safe in that regard uh, but in the air you have to have a different mindset you really do have to be a defensive mindset on that just to make sure that you know because a lot more can happen up in the air than on the ground believe it or not can't put stop signs up in the clouds right I feel like I would be very stressed um, what is one of the biggest ways that this airport benefits the city of Rock Hill well when uh, <clears throat> when companies are either looking to start up uh, relocate, expand, things like that. One of the top three questions that I have always come across is, do you have an airport or how close are you to an airport? They are very interested in, in, interested into it uh, because it's such a quick way to travel from point A to point B. And then even on, uh, believe it or not, the ground transportation side of things plays a huge factor into it too because, I mean, somebody might be able to say, uh, there's a, comp- a company you know, right up in Uptown and they, you know, say, well, we just fly into Charlotte Douglas. We're, you know, we're only, you know, two miles, three miles away from there. Mm. Well, by the time you get onto the ground, you may be delayed before you can actually park and actually get off the aircraft. Uh, and then even on top of that, you still have all the traffic and whatnot. Whereas here we have literally, I believe it's uh, seven or eight traffic lights between the airport and the five mile road to get to you know, four lane or eight lane interstate on uh, I-77 to get you uptown if you wanted to. Mm. So the timing may be about the same to be able to get there from landing here and getting up to there or coming back, whichever. Um, But that plays a big part. But like I said, uh, you know, also in terms of flying commercially, you don't have to worry about the security steps, having to go through TSA or anything like that. All the corporate flights and the charter flights, they're all self-policing. So they have their own uh, security policies and things of that nature. They've already done their background checks if they have to ahead of time. Uh, so it's just the ease of trans- uh, transferring from you know, getting into the, the terminal. And even sometimes not, you just, sometimes the, the vehicles, you know, if you're coming to the airport, they just come through the gate and roll right out to the airport or to the aircraft hop on you're gone you know it's like little to no uh right um uh, delays at all and then even you know because even though we're you know 14 miles south of charlotte itself our uh, flight traffic uh, our patterns don't interfere uh, with anything that they have going on because they're so much higher above um and then they just get a, a different type of route given to them to ensure that they don't have any interference okay so. So we're in a growing community, Mm -hmm. a community that is uh, sprouting with people. Have you guys seen that same (coughs) growth and increase in different areas at the airport as well? Um, I mean, whenever anything grows, everything is going to grow with it for the most part. Most of the time, which one thing that a lot of people end up forgetting is trying to stay ahead of the curve. 
this area uh, is very similar to my last airport that I was at out in McKinney, Texas, where at the time when I was there, they they had a growth rate of 125% growth in population over a 10 year period. They were the fastest growing city in the country in Frisco, which is Frisco, Texas, which was the town next to them was even if it was the number one at 200% in 10 years. Um, and it was amazing to see how, as they grew, you know, the, the city staff actually hardly grew, even though the roads and the utilities side of things all grew like that same rate, 125%. And we're still able to maintain that. But the growth still came and you said, because everything, everybody's kind of moving there. Businesses want to start up, you know, expand, whatever. Uh, so you have that growth. So you want to try to keep up with it. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to, that I've been pretty pr- progressive with. Uh, a lot of area, a lot of other airports, at least in this region, haven't been as aggressive in terms of trying to add more hangar space and trying to get the facilities needed uh, and necessary for that type of growth in the community. And I feel like we've done a pretty good job of trying to keep up with that demand because right now there is no hangar space available in this entire region. Uh, however, you know we're in the process of building 28 new, ha- uh, 29 new hangars right now, um, and then we also just. Uh, had another new lease agreement signed with a developer that's going to be building uh, <clears throat> two 12,000 square foot hangars. Mm. So as I said, our largest one we had was 12,000 already, and it was right. just that one. Now we're going to have two more out there. So it's adding more facilities that other airports in the region don't have available for people looking for hangar space. So there's, there's a massive demand. It's just, you know, it's kind of the, the little bit of the chicken and the egg. You know, you know that they want to come in, but a lot of them may not want to talk directly to you and tell you, hey, I want to, but they'll sit, they'll give you indications on it um, just because they, they, they don't want to, you know, put their name attached to something to, to, you know, unofficially commit when, you know, they, they, they're not allowed to do that. Um, so it's just trying to make sure that we continue to uh, facilitate and add the things that are necessary for the demand that's out there because it's there. So word on the street is the Carolina Panthers headquarters is coming to town. Have you? Are they really? Then, yeah, I oh, know. Isn't no that crazy? Way. Breaking news. <laughs> um, so have you seen an increase since that? Um, whether it's their personnel or things of that nature, um, an increase at the airport? Nothing directly related to to the Panthers. Uh, we've been on a on a trajectory where our activity has been increasing before talks even began with the Panthers, before David Tepper bought the team and there was even a possibility of that even happening uh, to the point where the trend is, even after a a slowdown for a couple months last year, uh, our numbers right now are higher than they were in 2019, which was one of our best years that we've ever had. Oh, wow. Uh, So we're we're already uh, trending in that direction continuously to um, uh, with more activity, more fuel being sold, more you know, takeoffs and landing. So it's uh, it's continuing to, to continue that way, uh, trend that way. Um, is that related to the Panthers? It's possible. Um, but uh, is the majority of that related to them? Absolutely not. Gotcha. All right. Two W's I'm going to hit you with. One away from a website. Wildlife and weather. How do you guys keep wildlife away from the airport? And if we get bad weather and the off chance that we get snow, what happens? Well, when I first got there, uh, we had a coyote problem. Um, And uh, what was happening is, um, you know, well, the coyotes, what they like, especially during the the fall and the wintertime, is pavement tends to stay warmer than everything else. So I do my, my airfield inspection in the morning, and I'll find coyote droppings on the runway and the taxiways every day. 
every day. Uh, so one way to alleviate that was one, we ended up contracting a, uh, uh, a wildlife disbursement firm to uh, take care of the wildlife. They didn't have to do too much with the coyotes. I think they maybe got one, but we also had a deer problem. Uh, but there was a twofold with trying to handle that. Uh, one, you need to make sure you have a fully enclosed airport means having a full 360 degree perimeter fence line. Uh, we did have a few gaps or holes or crevices that they were be able they're coming in through, so we made sure we patched those up. The other one was, you know, those type of animals, they love to bed in, you know, tall grass and everything. Well, at the time, our grounds maintenance contract, they were only, like, there's, there's certain areas of the airfield that we keep manicured very often. Uh, one is, you know, right next to the pavements, uh, and then you get out into the safety areas. You want to have it make sure it's nice and graded and grew uh, and and flat and able to to handle any aircraft that may deviate from the air from the from, from the runway and be able to go out into a safe area on the grass and stuff like that. So, uh, but any, outside of that, you know, we have what we call like our out the the outer field areas, if you will. Well, those are only being cut once a year, and it's usually like. November time frame. Uh, so we have, you know, three foot tall grass out there, beautiful cover for coyotes, beautiful cover for any rodents mm -hmm. and, and the deer and all that stuff. Well, I increased the, the operations of the mowing out there to get rid of that. They don't have anywhere to bed. We saw our mm -hmm. numbers start to decrease. And then we even took it a step further and actually, you know, started mowing that area even more so more often. Um, but, you know, we also have the birds. The birds don't really care about that. Uh, so, <laughs> Right now we're getting to the time frame where the migratory stuff starts to happen, so we're gonna see, start seeing some more Canadian geese. Uh, we don't have any uh, uh, seagulls. Uh, I think I may have seen a couple seagulls here and there, you know, a handful of times since I've been here for the eight, past eight years. Uh, but one way to handle that aspect is making sure you don't have any landfills near you. Uh, one point at my last airport, we did have a landfill about a mile and a half away from us, and that was causing a massive, massive hazard for our approaches for our aircraft flying in the air, not even necessarily affecting right there at the airport so we had to actually put in all kinds of permits and get everything done to be able to shut that down and have it relocated essentially that operation so think you know making sure that those type of hazards aren't in the area to to prevent any bird hazards um <clears throat> but uh you know we uh our first line of defense if you will is just harassment um uh, i have a nickname for our city vehicle uh which is the white truck of death because <laughs> Whenever they see that thing come, they will immediately disperse. However, if I'm in an aircraft, I will be able to taxi or fly within a foot of that thing and it will not move. So mm -hmm. they know when they see my white truck of death, they will disperse. But we mm -hmm. also have, you know, just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll turn on the sirens, honk the horn if that doesn't work. Then we also have some pyrotechnics, uh, what we call bird bangers and bird screamers. Um, and it's basically, it looks like a glorified cap gun and, and with some almost like firecrackers almost. Mm -hmm. One is like a, uh, it's like a bottle rocket type of thing and it just shoots off and it shoo, you know screams off and then i'll follow it up with the bird banger which is almost like an m80 and you know it's, it's a big pop and then a big explosion in the air and that you know disperses them and gets wow. them going that must be sounds fun. exciting yeah, <laughs> yeah i know right my, my, it, it, it's it's one of the best one of the favorite parts of uh, all my interns whenever i have them every summer yes. <laughs> it's like being the line leader when you were a kid that was like the biggest deal when you got to lead the line <laughs> right. the, the bird banger like you're special yes, yes. yep <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you kind of talk about some different efforts that you, um, like over the past eight years, uh, that you have made to engage with the local community here? One is uh, trying to find all kinds of different activities that we can 
can do to bring people to the airport and experience what we have. Um, because like I said at the beginning, you know, one of the perceptions was we didn't have a lot of, or a lot of people didn't know that we had an airport. So it's doing things and getting in front of different venues to showcase that, yes, we're here and it's an important asset and it's your asset, so please come okay. and experience it. So one is having, you know, whether it's, you know, the, the, the different open houses that we've had where we just get a bunch of different type of aircraft and different venues, uh, exhibitors, whether it's, you know, ground vehicles, aircraft, whatever, and get people out there to experience a, you know, fun day at the airport. Um, but then there's also a couple different organizations like uh, the Experimental Aircraft Association that has a program called Young Eagles, and that's where they have trained and certified pilots that are um, able to fly children between the ages of 8 and 17 for a free introductory flight. So we try to have multiple rallies throughout the year to try to get uh, uh, kids engaged and, and excited about the industry and what could be for them, you know, in the future, things like that. Um, you know, just on uh, the uh, 20th anniversary of 9-11, we had uh, a Young Eagles rally that was dedicated to all of the junior ROTC mm. cadets out of Clover High School. So we had, I think, around 35 or 40 of those cadets that came out and then around 10 uh, pilots and their aircraft, flying them around, giving them a good uh, uh, a show like that. Um, but then, uh, you know, last year we were trying to come up with something to, you know, have an event w during COVID, during uh, the pandemic. And I I don't know if I can take full credit. I'm going to take credit for it for at least in the state. Uh, but I, f I may have gotten wind of it at another area in the country. But... Uh, couldn't figure out how to get people to the airport so I was like well why don't we just bring the airport to them mm -hmm. and uh, shot the idea to uh, a lot of my uh, a few of my tenants some of my uh, my high not high level but my most engaged tenants the ones that are very active in the community and and in the in the uh, the the aviation community and we're like why don't we just try to get a bunch of our tenants uh, to you know just go fly around at pattern altitude all throughout the uh, the, the uh, community and we expanded it out into the entire county uh, and then we also said you know why limit it to just our own pilots our own aircraft here let's see if there's anybody else you know wow. out there that want to come fly in for the event as well I mean it's pretty simple for the most part uh, I mean there's a lot of you know behind the scenes planning from a safety side of things because it is an un an, 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 a uh, uh, an unofficial uh, event that is flown and you're you know flying in somewhat close proximity to other aircraft which typically typically you would want to have a little bit more spacing right. but we fly you know within about a mile of each other uh, so there's a lot of safety briefings that go into it and whatnot but we figured you know let's just find some highly populated areas that we'd be able to fly over especially neighborhoods where you could just step outside because at that time last year you know a lot of people weren't going to any even public areas everybody was just staying home so we're like well, let's try to find some densely populated neighborhoods and just fly over top of them and just let them experience you know some air aircraft now now that event <clears throat> is that the york county aerial parade that's a the tour to york tour to york okay. is what it's called yeah and uh um uh it, we had our second one this past year in uh, august and the other thing that came into effect with that was um South Carolina always uh, celebrates Aviation Week that week. It's always geared around National Aviation Day in August, and we wanted to also have an event, and that was one that we came up with to kind of kick off uh, South Carolina Aviation Week. And so that's what our plan is moving forward every year. We're going to make it an annual deal um, in August to uh, kick off South Carolina Aviation Week with uh, the aerial parade. 
And uh, the Fit to Fly 5K, I know that's something you guys have coming up. What's that about? Well, it's just like it says, uh, 5K. It's a road race on the runway. Uh, it's something I've been playing around with for a little while. Um, I know some other airports that, that have done it or are doing it. Uh, there's been a very successful one out in Greenville um, that they uh, they just had their eighth their eighth annual one back in uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, they had around I think it was almost 400 people participate in it, which was pretty cool. Uh, and I know Charlotte Douglas has theirs now. One thing I would like to boast about ours is the vast majority of it is actually on the runway, whereas others may be crossing the runway or you might be on it for a short period of time, but you're literally running the entire length of the runway twice. Uh, so basically a, a full two miles on the, uh, on the runway. And then we're also throwing in a uh, kids one mile uh, run oh. on there as well. Um, so, so there'll be about half of, their, half of the mile of, of their little race will be on the runway itself. And that's all going to be done on a, in the morning at 8 a.m. on October 16th. And uh, we're, we're, we're looking forward to having a fun event. Um, it's something that's kind of close to, to my heart because uh, I was a cross-country runner in high school and college. Okay. So I'm very, you know, it's, it's, it's in my wheelhouse for the most part. Yeah. Um, but it's also helping to raise money for another organization that we have out there, too, called the David Griffin Aviation Foundation. And what that kind of summarize that is um, it's extremely expensive to learn how to fly. We're talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. And so this foundation helps raise money to offer almost a scholarship, if you will, or grants for our youth to have an opportunity to start getting, oh, wow. to, to start learning to fly and get their pilot's licenses to be able to get started in their careers uh, sooner than, than a lot of others. I mean, we have one, uh, our, fir our first one, our first student that uh, ended up getting her, having her first solo. She can't get her license yet until she's 17, but you can solo at the age of 16. She's graduating, uh, I believe from Clover, I want to say, um, at the age of 16. She's, she's like a year, or maybe even, I think at least a year ahead of schedule. Wow. And she wants to be a pilot, be an airline pilot. Um, her father wants her to be a lawyer, I believe, or a doctor. But she's like, no, nah, I want to get into the industry. There you go. And she's, she was our first one. And it's one of those where, you know, it's helping offset that cost. I mean, there's still some costs associated with it, but it's like almost reducing it by 75%, which is awesome. Mm, that is awesome. Now, to circle back real quick, when it snows at the airport, what do you guys do? wait for mother nature to do its thing <laughs> uh no, well or well, what about when it's thunderstorming it's well, severe well, weather well when it's severe weather i mean it's it's pilot discretion for the most part i mean they're able to operate in certain weather regardless what it is but it's under their their purview whatever their agreements are to be able to do um, but specifically to like uh, winter weather um you know we monitor uh, the conditions very closely. Uh, if we start to have accumulation, we start doing um, a, a, a certain amount of accumulations. And when I say certain amount, I'm talking like a quarter inch of snow. There's a quarter inch mm -hmm. of snow. We start implementing an, uh, an every hour inspection and braking action test on our on our pavement, on our runways, to see where they're at. Because there's certain levels that we'd have to issue a NOTAM, which is called, which stands for Notice to Airmen, to uh, inform our pilots of what the conditions are of the uh, the surface because they can still land they can land on anything that's good fair once it starts to get to poor then there's different 
there's different levels of what type of aircraft can operate based off of insurance policies at that point. So you're not going to see any jet traffic really operating on a on a air on a runway that's listed as poor braking condition. But you know, for a, a small single engine aircraft, that's not a problem because you can still have that. You know, it's not snowing anymore. Beautiful sky. It's just there's you know the the, the conditions on ground on the ground aren't that great. But we have a grooved runway which also kind of speeds up any of the melting processes or, you know, slows up the time it takes for it to accumulate. I mean, I can go out onto Selenese Road and it's, you know, a skating rink and I can go out onto my runway and it's dry. Mm-hmm. That's that's the beautiful thing of having the, uh, the groove runway. But, I mean, and then if it gets to a point where it gets to, you know, nil at braking action, which means I have zero control over a vehicle, a ground vehicle, there's no braking action at all, then we'll actually just close the runway itself and not allow mm-hmm. anybody to come in and out. Um, and if, especially if it's at nighttime and then we're anticipating that, we'll go ahead and be proactive and just do that and just not have to worry about doing any more of the tests and just wait till you know we have an indication that conditions may improve and we'll start picking those back up. Uh, but we don't have any equipment to, to, to remove any of the snow or the, any of the ice, uh, especially with it being a groove runway. And the reason why they grooved it was because of our location where we don't have a lot of that happening. And it's not uh, critical enough to where we need to make sure we have a clear runway at all times during the winter, during a massive winter storm like that. But the grooveness helps let it melt fast. Uh, but the longest we've ever had to close a runway for inclement weather since I've been here in the eight years I've been here is about 11 hours. And that was, oh, an, wow. over, that was an overnight type mm. of deal. Thank goodness we don't get snow much. Um, I think also just circling back and as we close out this podcast um, in terms of community events, where can um, community members go to find out some more information on when and where these events are? Uh, They'll either be posted on our on our website, which is a it's a tied into the city's website, but uh, you can get there directly by typing in flyrockhill.com. Okay. And it'll redirect you directly to our site, which is part of the city's. Uh, But you can also go on Facebook and find us there. You can type in Rock Hill your county airport or at fly rock hill and it'll bring you directly to our facebook page as well and then you just click on the event sections and see what's coming up um and uh yeah that's 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 pretty much the easiest way of getting to it all right well steven thank you so much you're a busy man chasing wildlife away and all that fun (laughs) stuff um so we do thank you uh, and appreciate your time here with citycast absolutely thanks for having me Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill City Cast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, follow us on social media.